I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Well, I didn't think uh, when I was digging up at Hyde Hall last Saturday for seven hours that... uh, the next day we would have snow and I'd be uh, crunching about three or four inches deep of it. Uh, So uh, it means a stop to uh, everything outside, I'm afraid. Thanks to this week's sponsor, Hayloft Plants of Pershaw, Worcestershire. Hello and welcome to This Week in the Garden. I'm Peter Seabrook here to exchange some news, views, a bit of seasonal advice and hopefully answer some of your gardening quandaries. Day by day, more news emerges on the Chelsea Flower Show move to September. There's an increasing number of floral pavilion exhibitors who've made the decision to withdraw for 2021. I suppose this is not surprising for specialist growers producing spring and early summer flowering plants the likes of Johnny Walker's Narcissus, for example, and anybody growing Iris Germanica, the flag iris, peonies, auriculas, all that kind of stuff. It was disappointing to hear that uh, Rob and Rosie Hardy of Hardy's Cottage Garden Plants have decided to uh, stop staging Chelsea displays. Over the years, they've given us stunning large exhibits in the Floral Pavilion at Chelsea with a wide-ranging collection of herbaceous plants, beautifully staged, uh, including, as far as I'm concerned, the launch some years ago of uh, Verbena Seabrook's Lavender. They'll be uh, sorely missed. Uh, And it said that uh, 2020 Chelsea was to be their swan song, and then 2021, and now no more. Shows apart, petition has been mounted to get garden centres open in uh, Scotland and Wales. It hit some of the uh, bedding plant and seasonal spring bedding producer nurseries really hard last year. And if the uh, Welsh and Scottish garden centres stay closed, nurserymen in those areas are going to be really badly hit again. I mean, in spite of this week's snow, Adam Wigglesworth of uh, Aylett's Garden Centre in Hertfordshire tells me that customers were still uh, arriving to buy seeds and sea potatoes and compost in spite of uh, snow and uh, frosty weather. My congratulations to Adam on his recent uh, reward of the Pearson Memorial Medal 
for services to the horticultural trade. Certainly very well deserved. This uh, cold, frosty weather could do some damage. Relatively mild, wet weather before the hard frost is uh, not a good mixture. Uh, as soon as possible, just check any uh, plants, especially evergreens, things like camellias in pots, because uh, if they get frozen and then snow on top thaws and the water sits there, that waterlogging can be quite a problem. Uh, so uh, if you do have containers that are really very heavy and wet, just put them over on their side so they can drain and the more tender plants, uh, I mentioned camellias and also things like uh, agapanthus and formiums, just move them close to the house. If the pots are close to the house wall, it will be several degrees warmer and the plants will benefit from that uh, shelter close to the house. We don't have to stop gardening, of course. I'm still pottering about indoors and... Uh, have started to root chrysanthemum cuttings and a few more fuchsias. I had one or two cuttings of fuchsias on the variety Val Bradley. It's a very uh, good strong grower with uh, white sepals and an orange-red centre. Makes a good standard. But those uh, plants that I was running up on a trunk began to produce a few side shoots and those side shoots are very useful to take off and root for more stock. I have a set of uh, little square pots, six of them fitting into half a seed tray. I fill those with seed and cutting compost, add a bit of perlite, and popping the chrysanthemums and fuchsia cuttings into those, and a view of I might add, sitting on the uh, office windowsill in a white polythene bag. They root pretty quickly. Oh, and I've also started to harvest uh, some pea shoots. I like to sow a few uh, pea seeds, garden pea seeds, into grape punnets on an uh, inch or so of compost, kept damp, they're up, uh, and tall enough in three to four weeks that I can cut off the top, eat those uh, pea shoots in salads, and uh, in a couple of weeks uh, there'll be... Uh, another harvest. I should get three or four harvests from them. Our guest this week is Jane Perone, a real houseplant enthusiast. Having pot plants in the house uh, seems to be on the up again, very fashionable, even with lovely young people like uh, Jane. Jane, what fired your enthusiasm, first of all, for houseplants? Well, I'm glad that you like to describe me as young, Peter. That makes me feel good. I'm in my 40s now. <laughs> Everybody's young compared to me, Jane. <laughs> Well, I'm in my 40s now and I've been, I can't, re people ask me this, or well, when did you start growing plants? And I can't really remember not doing that. I mean, I was primary school age. I remember having cacti and succulents and being given plants and picking plants up at things like jumble sales <laughs> and Woolworths. And I used to go there and I used to go to my local garden centre, Cheney's Garden Centre in Buckinghamshire. And I used to go there and pick up plants and I just have always been interested in them from a very young age. So it's never really stopped for me. 
But they are very much in fashion again, aren't they now? They really are. Yes. I mean, I started my podcast on the ledge in 2017 because I saw that there was this surge of interest in houseplants at that moment. And as a lifelong grower of houseplants, I just wanted to share my experiences and talk to other people about plants. I'm watching all the time the most popular, the sort of top 20s and that kind of thing. And just the last year or so, there's been a distinct difference from the channels. I mean, if I look at the top 10 currently in garden centres, then orchids stay number one and ivy number two, but then calathea at number three. It's really strange that a tropical coloured leaf should um, be in amongst the top three. Yes, it's really amazing, isn't it? And I think the rise of foliage is probably the biggest factor here compared to the previous houseplant booms of previous decades. I think foliage being the focus is the thing that I would say distinguishes this current surge of interest. People love patterned and variegated and colourful foliage. Any of those Maranta group families like the Calatheas and the Tenanthes, um, they deliver that in spades. I mean, they're not the easiest of things to take care of, but people love the look of them when they see them in the garden centre. And as a result, they're being picked up. Now, why is greenery that taking over from from flowering house plants I, I think it's partly and this sounds incredibly sort of shallow but i think it is part of the factor certainly for young people is that they can take a good photograph of a calathea leaf and they can put it on their instagram feed and i don't know about you if you've ever tried to take a photo of a plant a border in your garden or something for social media but it's hard to make that look good even if you've got the most incredible selection of plants outside flowering plants it's quite hard to make them look good in that little square on instagram whereas a foliage house plant you can make it look amazing and i do think that's a factor that people just love that that brightly patterned foliage, um, and they've just really gone for it. And as you as you say, calatheas, orchids, they're always going to be popular, but I think it's those foliage plants that have really come up on the inside and surprised us all with their popularity. But if I look at another list, uh, WFH Interiors uh, Trend Report, then we've got air plants, succulents, snake plants, peace lily and hoya. And so <laughs> um, there's, there's another completely different kind of list. The succulent, I presume, fits your Instagram picture. You know, if, I, if we photograph the border, the difficulty is getting the third dimension, isn't it? Our borders have that depth and getting that onto a picture is quite difficult. But if you've got one of the succulents, then they've got a lot of uh, geometric shape to them. Yeah, that's very true. And I think also people like the fact that they can buy a succulent and it feels very easy. You know, a lot of succulents <laughs> that are bought, you know, from the supermarket or from a shop that sells 
books or clothes or other things by people who haven't grown many plants before they'll stick them on any old windowsill and just kind of ignore them and the succulent won't die but it'll just sit there and it probably won't grow particularly well but they like the shape of it and it feels very easy and of course you do get lots of people who really struggle with succulents because they will overwater them and they'll either end up with a pile of mush or they'll end up with a terribly etiolated uh, echeveria or something that that suddenly sort of shot up because it's got no light Um, and so there are a lot of problems that come from people trying to to grow succulents inside but you're right those incredible geometric patterns and fractal patterns that you get on succulents are very appealing and yeah the snake plant I mean that plant is a wonderful example of a super tough house plant although it does kind of annoy me when people always say oh yes it'll do well in deep shade and I always think well it'll survive in deep shade it won't die but it's not going to be particularly happy you know a snake plant is at its happiest in a really baking hot sunny uh, south facing windowsill all summer and and then you might even get the joy of the flowers so yeah there's lots of um dubious houseplant advice out there of course which I'm trying to uh, trying to beat going back to the flowering houseplants I love flowering houseplants and I am a bit of a champion of some of the houseplants that um, are not so popular. So I really love the Gesneriad family, which of course includes the African violet, the St. Paulia, although I think that's now been moved into the Streptocarpus genus actually. But I love all of those plants in that particular family, the Primulinas and the Petrocosmias, beautiful flowers and interesting foliage. But you mentioned Hoyas. I think they're really interesting because they straddle that line between the interesting foliage and the beautiful flowers. And you get both of those with Hoyas, which is one of the reasons why I love them so much. And uh, I've got a few under some grow lights right now to keep them happy through the winter. Well, my Hoya has quite a story. I used to do a TV programme called Pebble Mill at One in Birmingham. I remember it well. You must have been, um, yes, crawling about on the rug. Uh, uh, (laughs) When you were off sick from school, that was what you could watch at lunchtime. <laughs> well, it was a good 30 years ago now, I think. And, and the, the ladies who handled the mail, they had a hoya and rooted a cutting. And I still have that plant now, but it's um, in a must be a 10-inch pot, I suppose, and really is quite big. And, of course, the leaves are quite succulent, aren't they? So that will put up with quite a bit of punishment. Yes. But I have to be careful when it flowers because the nectar dripping onto the furniture can be uh, something of a disadvantage. (laughs) Yes, that is a problem with certain Hoyas. That nectar can be very sticky and very abundant. And, yeah, Hoyas are really fantastic in that they're so long-lived. And you do get people who say, oh, yes, this Hoya came from my grandmother or my aunt and has been passed down through the family. And I love those kind of stories. They're just so interesting. But Hoyas are, are just have exploded in popularity. You know, we, we had the trend a couple of years ago where the Aroid family were really going mad. So we were all buying Swiss cheese plants and anthuriums um, and alocasias. And now Hoyas are following on from that. And there's just dozens of desirable cultivars of the different Hoyas uh, species uh, out there which people are now trying to collect and they're selling for a lot of money prices are going sky high so yes I'm glad that I've um, already expanded my Hoya collection mostly I should say through swaps rather than spending a lot of money because um, I like to stay thrifty. (laughs) Now Jane 
Can we give um, our listeners a bit of advice? If they were thinking of increasing the population of houseplants in their house or even starting from scratch, what are your top pieces of advice? Well, the temptation is to go to your local garden centre and just be wowed by something beautiful and think, oh, I must have this and not really do your research beforehand. It doesn't help that some plants that you might pick up are badly labelled or mislabeled and therefore it makes it hard for you to know how to take care of them. But doing a bit of research ahead of time is really really useful that way you can find out what kind of place your plant comes from and therefore what it needs in the home and that is really really helpful so obviously anything that's got succulent leaves like those hoyas we were talking about and the cacti and succulents they love loads of sun if you've got something very thin and papery leaved like those calatheas well they're not going to be want to be in direct sunlight and they're going to need a moister air environment so you can pick up lots of clues from just looking at the plant but also do look up your plant and read the, read the label if it's there and hopefully that will guide you as to where in your home that plant will thrive and the tip that I always give people if they're starting out is it's, there's lots of trends of hanging plants and putting them high up on shelves and that's lovely but the trouble is then you aren't able to observe your plant day by day and that's one of the key things with plants is learning to observe them and look for signs that there's a problem so if you've got plants you're worried about put them in your eye line either on your desk where you're working or near to the kettle somewhere where you can just check them out every day and that way you can pick up problems before they get serious so really observe your plants is key well, I often think that when you uh, draw the curtains uh, at night or open them in the morning, better opening in the morning, you just lift them because the weight tells you in a minute. Exactly. Those that are wet and those that are dry. Yeah. Exactly. And, you know, people buy lots of fancy gadgets, but, uh, you know, moisture meters and so on and rely on apps and things to tell them when to water their plants. And as you say, you really just need your fingers, either lifting the pot or if you're not sure, sticking your finger into the root ball and, and seeing whether it's moist or not. You can just use very basic things to figure out what's going on with your plant. The one thing I do recommend that people buy and invest in if they've got more than a few houseplants is a hand lens. And that's really important because you can use a hand lens to look closely at your plant's leaves, particularly the undersides. And that way you can diagnose issues with things like spider mites um, that you might not be able to see with the naked eye. And that, again, you're picking up problems before they get too serious. Um, so that's one piece of kit that I would recommend. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. And do you have any tips on Red Spider? If you've got a really dry warm atmosphere then um boy that boy that is a pest and and if you wait until it really gets cracking um and, and the leaves go a bit bronze well you're almost better to start again aren't you with a plant yeah i mean you've got to pick it up early and it's hard because in the early stages really there's nothing much to see unless you're very experienced you know you lift up the bottom of that leaf you might see a small amount of white grainy stuff along the midrib of each leaf and that's the shed skins of the spider mites as they go through their life cycle but really there's not much to see until it gets serious and then you start seeing those stippling on the back of the leaves where they're sucking sap and you start to see the webbing and as you say by that point things are getting bad and you might want to just chuck the plant um what i recommend is with any pest i'm sure you'd agree with this peter there's no magic bullet there's no okay i'm going to do this one thing and it's solved the problem's solved it's never going to come back again like no pest issue is resolved in that way it's a war of attrition and you've got to keep coming back day after day um and treating the plant and my solution is very very simple a damp cloth a damp rag that rag could be impregnated with something like SB plant invigorator or a horticultural soap spray, or it could just be rainwater, gently rubbing the backs of those leaves and removing the spider mites and their eggs. Do that every day and you will solve the problem. It won't be immediate, but you will get rid of them. The other thing you can do, you were talking about the dry atmosphere that is a real problem for spider mites. If you have a severe case, you can get a big clear plastic bag and put the whole pot and plant into that bag and tie it up and that will increase the moisture air moisture around the plant and that is not something the spider mites like um, and so that will help to impact on the population as well but yeah it's just a case of wiping those leaves daily getting rid of the fresh eggs and using your hand lens to check what's going on um, and you'll find that eventually you will lick the problem but Pests always come back. They just do. If you've got more than a few houseplants, you'll have experienced this. And it's the same in the garden, isn't it? You know, It's mother nature at work. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you introduce a new plant. And the lots of people who are new to houseplants think, oh my gosh, and they see a springtail and they're sort of having a collapse because they've seen a creepy crawly. And you have to sort of <laughs> say to them, well, yes, you bring plants into your home. And there's going to be creepy crawlies. Some of them are not going to affect your plants. Others will. And that's why you need to learn about them. So, yeah, it's all part of the fun. <laughs> well, you are listing, I think, 25 rather special houseplants in um, a book that you're crowdfunding. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yes. So this is a passion project of mine. It's a book called Legends of the Leaf. And the subtitle is The Story Behind 25 Iconic Houseplants and the Secrets to Making Them Thrive. And I'm crowdfunding this book partly because I've got a sort of an audience through my podcast and I wanted this to be a sort of a community project. And I'm working with the publishers Unbound on this. Uh, so the idea is, is that people can pledge to get a copy of the book and support me. And once I've reached my 100% target, then the book will um, 
be written and published. So it's a bit of a long road, but the nice thing about it is, is it means that I get to do the book exactly as I want to do it. And I get to write these incredible stories about um, 25 houseplants that I love. And there are some cracking stories, I can tell you, going beyond the normal stuff that you read. You know, I mean, I'm sure most of us have done this at one time or other, you know, search engines. We put in a plant name and we come up with the same set of information over and over again. And we don't go much deeper than that. And so in this book, I'm trying to really go deep into where do these houseplants come from? When did they first come into cultivation as houseplants? How do the people in their native homes use them and understand them? And I've already come across some really fascinating stories, so I'm looking forward to to sharing those. Well, can you whet our appetite with just one, a little tiny story? Or do we have to wait until the book? (laughs) No, I can give you a story. One of the plants I've been looking at recently is the dumb cane, Diefenbachia. And this is a kind of an amazing story, really. Many different stories about this plant, but one of them is that It was, as you know, if you've ever grown this plant or bought one, it comes with a bit of a warning. And as the common name dumb cane suggests, this is a toxic plant that if you take this cane or a leaf and put it in your mouth, it causes your mouth to swell. So it's one of those plants that's not recommended if you have pets that chew things or indeed if you have small children that like to put things in their mouths because um, it's not a pleasant experience. And I discovered recently that this was used as a punishment for slaves in plantations in Jamaica. So if slaves had transgressed, they would be punished by being fed the canes of the Diefenbachia plant to make their mouth swell up so they couldn't speak. And I was just amazed by that that's one of the one of these things where i've already sort of gone down a rabbit hole researching it because i'm trying to make sure that i you know back everything up and so i've been reading research papers about this plant and the many ways it's been used um there's there's loads more i could tell you to do with all kinds of things it's a fascinating plant and i nearly wasn't going to include it in the book and then i started reading up about it and thought wow i had no idea about that so that's definitely going to be in legends of the leaf You have us with bated breath, Jane. Thank you very much for joining us today. It's a thrill to uh, enjoy your enthusiasm. You know, I can talk about houseplants forever. It's just, it's easy. (laughs) My towel piece this week, a quote from uh, Helena Rutherford Ely. The watering of a garden requires as much judgment as the seasoning of a soup. (laughs) every aspect of watering takes uh, some care and consideration and when all of this uh, snow melts on top of what was uh, already pretty saturated soil the best thing we can do is to stay off it until it drains a bit especially on heavy soil don't go tramping about on it when it's waterlogged just wait until it uh, drains and the surface begins to dry a little. It'll only take one or two uh, good drying winds and we'll be off with our spring sowing and planting. Our thanks to this week's sponsor, Hayloft Plants of Pershaw, Worcestershire. 
to my producer, Rich Jarman, and of course, to you for listening. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.